welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Good morning, good morning, everyone. How are you doing today? Are you glad to be in the presence of God today? If you are, put your hands together today. Glad to be in his presence with his people. Amen, amen, amen. I am honored and excited um, to be here today. Um, just as um, a lot of times you don't see everything that's going on, particularly those of you who aren't uh, here, and, and I just want to shout out all of our media and worship team. Let's give God a hand praise for all the work they put in for us. Uh, to be able to broadcast every Sunday. Uh, we thank you all for your work behind the scenes and in front of the scenes. Um, and so some people we're going to be introducing to you soon. We, they just moved all the way across country to be with us. And um, actually, he's going to be taking the role of my executive assistant. And uh, his name is Loyal Harden. His sweet wife is named Mariah. And I want you guys, as they come in, amen, as they come in to the ministry, um, I want you to show them and their baby boy uh, a lot of love. Uh, as a, you know, I know it's during a pandemic and you may not see their face. We'll be announcing all of our new staff and different people that are taking different roles. We'll be announcing that and kind of sending you emails about those. Those of you who are members, you'll be getting that information. And particularly with someone moving across country, uh, changing community, we want to show them big time love. Because uh, one of our core values is community. Somebody say community. All right, let me see, it's a pandemic. Do y'all still remember the, the mission statement? One, two, three. Wow, I'm proud of y'all. I'm proud of y'all. Did y'all do that at home, though? Was y'all in there rumbling, trying to look on the website, cheating? Amen. Well, um, we are out of our Stronghold series, I believe, and um, I'm doing a standalone today. If you would do me a favor, Turn with me to Psalm 26. Psalm 26. Psalm 26. While you're turning there, I want to say how proud I am of my oldest son. And, and uh, he went on his prom Friday. You know, looking great. Very, very proud of him and proud of the man that he's becoming. And um, I won't say it publicly, but some of the good decisions that he's making. You know, you as a parent, many times you don't know what in the world is going on in your children's mind. You know, until you go from controller to coach. Hear me, hear me. You know, you have the transition from controlling them to coach and consultant. And sometimes you biting your fingernails. You say, okay, I'll let you make that decision. And then you stand back and you looking like, oh Lord, I wonder if some seeds in that mug somewhere, you know. And so um, as a parent, you're always trying to see that. And so parents, as I, just thinking about it for myself, those of you who have uh, young people that are graduating, you know, you have to become a consultant and uh, a counselor for them. You can't control them anymore. Even if, you, even if they're in your pocket still, um, control doesn't help. Somebody should say amen. 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 Psalm 26. Psalm 26. If y'all don't mind, those in the house, if y'all don't mind standing while we read this. Stand while we read this. If you want to at home, if you can, please do so. We're going to start transitioning back to our kind of traditional ways of doing things. Glad to see everybody here today. It's a little bit more of y'all here today. Seems like it's growing a little bit more and more on Sunday. People get more comfortable. So I'm glad y'all are here. Psalm 26, whole psalm. <clears throat> Vindicate me, Lord, because I have lived with integrity and have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and mind, for your faithful love guides me, and I live by your truth. I do not go down with the worthless or associate with hypocrites. I hate a crowd of evildoers, and I do not sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence and go around your altar, Lord." Raising my voice in thanksgiving and telling about your wondrous works. Lord, I love the house where you dwell 
the place where your glory resides. Do not destroy me along with sinners or my life along with men of bloodshed, in whose hands are evil schemes and whose right hands are filled with bribes. But I live with integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. My foot stands on level ground. I will bless the Lord in the assemblies. I would like to talk about today from a simple subject. Uh, you don't have to fight your own battles. You don't have to fight your own battles. Somebody say that with me. One, two, three. Amen. Amen. Let's go before the Lord. God, you are, the old church used to say you are battle axe. God, we thank you that we have a redeemer who lives and a redeemer who wants the best for, from us and for us more than we want the best for us. You love deeper than us. You comfort harder than us and you see farther than us. And so God, I pray today that you would guard my heart, my tongue, and my communication and open up the floodgates of your spirit to fill me and to open up the hearts and heart soil of your people to receive everything you have for them. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, you may be seated in God's presence. You don't have to fight your own battles. Um, I don't know if you realize it or not, we realize it or not, but the Bible has a ton of fighting in it. Did you know that? Like if you think, just think about it. If you've read through the Bible, it has a lot of fights in it. I mean, you talk about from everything from the Garden of Eden uh, to smaller fights in general to Genesis fights, family feuds, uh, uh, Egyptian, Egypt and his gods, um, fights in the promised land, judges and fighting for Israel, David, the man of war, civil wars within Israel, captivities, uh, Peter cutting off the high priest's ear in front of Jesus, uh, uh, the, and then ultimately in Revelation, the bottle of Hamargetan. I mean, you, you, you can go on and on, and the Bible is a pretty, like, like I don't, I, sometimes I think we have a flowery view of the Bible. The Bible doesn't sugarcoat dysfunction. Um, it doesn't sugarcoat brokenness. It doesn't uh, sugarcoat mess that happens in family, but it also doesn't, doesn't sugarcoat the fact that fighting is literally and many times a part of spiritual life. Whether you like it or not, fighting is a part of what your, civil, your, 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 your spiritual life is. Like I said, in the Bible, you got civil war, you got conquests. You got invasions, you got family fights, you got spiritual warfare, you got mind fights, heart fights, and warring fights. However, there is a type of fighting that can be very painful. Fights that God call you not to respond to. <laughs> That's the hardest kind of fight that you have to fight. The fight that God muzzles you. I, now, some of y'all don't even relate to this because your spirit ain't even grown to that level yet. Muzzling is not a part of your ministry. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, 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 but, 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 but God, as you grow in Christ, God begins to develop a muzzle. Now, what situations in your life demand a muzzle? Sometimes someone either, either slandering you. Have you ever been slandered before? Okay, y'all quiet on me today. I thought I had a church in here today. It's okay. Have you ever been gossiped about? <laughs> Have you ever had people thinking wrong about you and getting the wrong impression of your good intentions? Ain't nobody going to talk back. Have you ever been in a situation where no matter what you did for the person and no matter how you cared for the person, they can throw away your heart, your intentions easily. And matter of fact, they can begin talking all kinds of smack about you like you never did anything for them, never loved on them ever before. And so just know that there are appropriate times to fight. So I'm not saying... All of them are these type of fights, but many times this is the hardest one because you got to consistently get hit and watch it get done and not do anything. 
So how do you know when to end public fighting, publicly fighting something? <clears throat> somebody said, I don't know when, what's, I, you got to give me some discernment, Pastor. Like, I, you know, I, I, when somebody talk crazy about me, I need to say something. I need to go on Facebook. I need to respond to everybody say something about me. If you say something, I got some words. You, you, know, you, know, you know how we are. I, we need to have words. You know how we do, right? But, but, but you, have to, you have to be a prayerful Christian. And that's hard. So when do you know to stop fighting? When is, it, when is it time for maybe God wants to do something that your mouth and hands can't do? <laughs> one first way is a, to feel a great sense of conviction from the Holy Spirit from you responding. You ever was going to respond to something for somebody and you felt in your soul the Holy Spirit like, that's not a good look. Fall back. You know that little, that little feeling of unease and you know how you know you're being disobedient or something and you keep moving forward and the closer you get to it, the more you feel a sense of conviction. That's when you know you might need to investigate. That's number one. Number two, scriptures about leaving things in God's hands come to mind. Out of all of a sudden, some kind, the battle is not yours, it's the Lord. You're like, where in the world did that come from? What the, what the, you know, we want the Holy Ghost until he starts telling us stuff from the Bible. You understand? We, we like the Holy Ghost and we feel, feel the Holy Ghost. We say, hey, God, we like all that. But when he starts doing the real Holy Ghost stuff, because, see, the worship stuff is the, is the small Holy Ghost stuff. The big Holy Ghost stuff is when he starts walking you into some truth. Remember, one of his main roles is to lead you into truth. Not truth, truth. All right? Or, or another way you know is when you try to fight it, it gets worse and isn't resolved. You ever did something, you kept trying to do it, and you kept trying to do it, and it just kept getting worse. And you're like, God, I don't know what else to do. He said, that's the problem. So I got a few points for you today. If, um, if you're going to walk in this reality of you don't have to fight your own battles, number one, trust God's process. I hope y'all hearing me today. Trust God's process. Look at this verse. He says, vindicate me, Lord. Stop. He puts the ball in God's court. Um, David, I don't know if y'all know the life of David, but David had a drama-filled life. Um, he had a lot of people. I mean, David was a loyal cat. Like, if you rode with David, he rode hard with you. But, if, if, but, but David was the type, if you was disloyal, he'd cut you. So David knew he needed the Lord to instruct everything in his life. And so he began dealing with a lot of relational problems. I mean, you go through David's life from when he is first mentioned all the way to the end of his life. It's riddled with one consistent thing of challenges, and that is relationship problems. From his problems with his brothers all the way to the problems with one of his sons. He had problems upon problems upon problems upon problems relationally. And there were times where it was actually David's fault. See, when it's your fault, you have to humbly embrace the consequences. <laughs> you have to honor. Now, now, God, now what's beautiful about God, God really never gives us fully what we deserve. Y'all better look at the camera right now. God has never, ever given anybody that I know of that's still in existence what they fully deserve for half of what they did. And so David, David, David understood that. But then there were times where David was like, God, I don't know. This time your boy might not have been tripping. I might have been on the right side of the globe on this joint, right? And so he says, vindicate me. What does vindicate mean? Vindicate means <coughs> to bring justice to a matter that's misunderstood. In other words, uh, 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 it, it has the idea to judge and to decide, you see it, educate a matter between two parties. You know, because what, so, what happens many times is when someone's convinced that you did something to them or you did something in general, <clears throat> there comes to a point where there's nothing that you can do or say that will convince them. You can get witnesses. You can send emails. You can send text receipts, you can send DMs, you can send articles, you can send books, you can do everything you can, but you have to, you, you have to get to a point in the matter where you're like, 
It's nothing that I literally can do because sometimes people's belief about you or disposition towards you is a stronghold that you can't break down with what you're trying to send to them. <laughs> and so you're fighting them actually cakes over the spot that already is frustrated with you in the first place. As a matter of fact, when somebody don't like you and they frustrated with you and they slandering you, anything you say to them hit wrong. <laughs> I know I'm talking to somebody today. And <clears throat> the idea is that there are times in your life when people have accused you of something you didn't do and slandered you and God. And most of the time, there's nothing that you can do. But some of them get pleasure out of your pain, though. Oh, y'all not going to... See, see, there's some people that like to see the impact that their slander and gossip and hatred and divisiveness has on you. So the more you respond, the more fodder it gives them to keep the mess going. Ain't nobody with me today. And so sometimes you got to learn. Listen, listen, I remember I was going through something one time. And my friend said, Eric, you're talking too much. I said, what you mean? He said, the, he said when, the more you try to explain and respond to them, that gives them more stuff to use for what, the mess they already stirring up. He said, if you would shut your mouth, the fire will go out. Yeah. Anyway, 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 anyway. And so, but, but let me tell you something. When you're looking for, when the psalmist is saying vindicate me, the, let me tell you, let me give you some, so hopefully some biblical wisdom. <laughs> the worst time in the vindication process is between the incident and vindication. Hear me. That's the most challenging time. The time where something's happened to you and someone's done something to you and you're waiting for the Lord to work it out. The waiting process is painful because you got to watch all the stuff play out and the Holy Spirit say you can't say nothing. Now, I'm going to tell you why it's hard. And this is the type of stuff that be happening. I don't know about y'all, but this type of stuff happened to me. You begin to, you begin to become angry at the growth of lies. I'm by myself. I'm by myself. You watch people run with things about you, and they don't know you. You ever had somebody that did dirt about you, then told other people, and then other people start talking about you, and they don't even know you? You had that, he said, who is that? I don't even know that person. But that's how, that's, that's how the devil works. Because he's trying to do something to your heart. You know, uh, another, another, another one is when you have family issues or when people around you are, uh, are saying, say something. That's the hard part. When you got people around you, they're not, they, they scrappy as you are. They're like, we, we, do we need to, what we need to do? We need, clank, clank, we need to go? We need, what do we need to do? You see, you got the real ones around you. Sometimes... The real ones will get you in trouble. The real ones like, you, you, you know, I ride with you. I ride with you. Let's, I know where they're kicking it at. You, I, you know, I got them on the locator. You know, you got them type of people around you. You got to be very careful. Because you got some people that love you to life and to death. <laughs> and listen, you got to be careful because they will cut somebody's throat for you. And you got to learn how to hold him at bay because you can be petty and say, get him, right? <laughs> Put a contract out on somebody, right? <clears throat> Another way during that time of incident and vindication, your heart can become faint. Your heart can become faint because you're like, Lord, like, it's but so much I can take. Like, Lord, are you, are you, when, what are you going to do? See, the frustration is when you're waiting on the Lord and you're not nurturing yourself well, but you're nurtured off of what continues to happen in between incident and vindication. <laughs> you begin to think you're crazy. That's another one. You begin to just think, I'm, maybe I'm just crazy, right? Another one is you become numb. You start to feel lonely. And then you think people have forgotten about you. But this is the crazy one. People who are supposed to be those who know and experience your character begin to doubt you and look at you with suspicion and even join the ranks of those against you. See, that's the type of stuff David went through. David went through, I thought he was with us, and then it's like, nah, he's not. And so a, a, lot, a lot of that is very, very important. That's why David says, right after vindicate me, he says, I've lived with integrity. Now, what does integrity mean? Integrity does not mean blameless. 
It, do, it does not mean you're perfect. Integrity means that it, it has a commitment uh, 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 about blamelessness and a, and, a, and a state of moral commitment that you have. So moral commitment not only includes living right, it also includes repenting when you're not. So if a person confesses and repents their sin, that's, a, that's an act of integrity. Because they did. that's what the Bible says, he who hides a matter, conceals a matter, won't find favor. But the one who confesses and forsakes a matter finds favor from the Lord. That's integrity. So a person with integrity is, listen, because if, if, if integrity was based on perfection, none of us got it. David is, David is saying, he, this is the guy that murdered one of his loyal workers and slept with one of his subjects. And he's saying, God, I'm a man of integrity. Forgiveness gives you integrity. God's righteousness and love for you gives you integrity. And the Holy Spirit's commitment. Listen, this is what gives you integrity. The Holy Spirit can talk you into anything. That's preach, pastor. If the Holy Spirit can talk you into anything, you have integrity. If he can't talk you into nothing, you have none. That's very important for you to understand. And so as he begins to walk through, he said, I've trusted I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. That's crazy. He's, you mean in this situation, you know. You know, because you got to make your stuff situational when you say some stuff like that. Right? But how has he done this? In Psalm 37, 1 through 7, you don't have to turn there. I want to read this. This is one of my favorite passages if you're going through something like that. It says, do not be agitated by evildoers. Do not envy those who are doing wrong. It says, trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely or cultivate faithfulness. It says in verse 4, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. Make, making your righteousness shine like the dawn, your justice like the noonday. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him. It says, do not fret or be agitated by evildoers. What does that mean? Be in a state of worry all the time. One of the things you have to be careful of is when you're in the season between incident and vindication that you keep meditating on the places where people are talking about you. Matter of fact, you have to tell people that are still in connection with the, with the situations of people that are wilding against you to don't give me any new information about what they're doing. Because some people say, oh, you know what? Guess what they did now? Guess what's going to happen? And see, what that do, you be doing good with the Lord, don't you? Y'all feel me that. Y'all be, be doing good with the Lord, and then they come calling you and texting you a picture or something. Like, I don't need the drunk. I just, I just spent time with the Lord, got everything right, and here you come with some new drunk. You're not supposed to refeed me foolishness. I ain't nobody. I'm by myself. Ain't nothing worse than somebody calling this over. I just wanted to let you know. Man, quit all that, dog. I don't want to know who they're dating now. I don't know, want to know who they're going out with now. I don't want to know who they're befriending now. I don't want to know who they're taking selfies with now. I don't want to know what they're writing inferentially on social media now. Leave me alone. <laughs> Let me just tell you, in some people in your life, you got to unfollow them. You got you to have the ministry of block, mute, and restrict. Repeat after me. Block, block. Mute, mute, restrict. You better learn that ministry. That's a, that's, a, that's a heavenly ministry. I believe that's spiritual warfare right there. That's weapons of warfare, just blocking the shield of faith and everything like that. I like that. Clink, clink. Shut it down, baby. And then he began to say, live securely. Ten, it, what, what, what he means there, he says, <coughs> dwell in the land and live securely means cultivate faithfulness. That's beautiful. Do what God has called you to do, ignoring the naysayers. See, sometimes this is, this is how you, this is therapeutic for you. When you're where God wants you to be and you maximize it despite what's going on so that you can be preoccupied with that. Because if you're preoccupied with that, you don't have no time for that other stuff. If you're preoccupied with the season that God has put you in, if you're, in, if you're preoccupied with the things that God has you doing, if you're preoccupied with the things that God got you going on with, you don't have time for the other stuff. And so when he walks us through this, David helps us. See, so much. I love it in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. 
He says, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast number. For the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. See, that's a, that's a good feeling. When, if God is fighting for you, you ain't got to really worry about it as much. And you don't got to stay up at night. Listen, God, you know, the Bible says he never slumbers asleep. So two of us might as well not stay up. I'll go to sleep, get some rest, and let you work on it, Lord. That's what you got to do. You got to let the Lord work on it. And you can't, you can't keep losing sleep and tears and going through pillowcases over stuff. Look at this. This is how prevalent this idea is in the Bible. I'm not, I'm not going to read all of these. Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. Deuteronomy 20, verse 4. Uh, the, for the Lord, your God, is he who goes with you to fight for you. Deuteronomy 3, 22. You shall not fear, for it is the Lord your God who fights for you. Isaiah 40, verse 31, it says, But they who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. Well, guess what? You're waiting on God. You're not doing anything about it. Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Listen, uh, 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 Psalm 34, 17, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. I keep going. Second point, allow God to show you where your heart really is. Now, this is the hard part of it. Because God many times used the time between incident and vindication to show you where you really are. But it's interesting, though, that if you read the text, it's not God telling David, I'm going to test you. This is, this is deep. The, 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 the psalmist asks God to test his heart. He says, test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and mind. That's, that's, that's deep. In other words, a lot of different things are happening in my life, Lord. A lot of challenges are happening. A lot of people are coming against me. I believe I'm walking in integrity, but show me somewhere in my life where I may not be testing well. Show me, show me if there's something. See, this is how you know you're walking with Jesus. When you've been wrong, but you still check to make sure that the wrong that's being done to you wasn't initiated by you. If you don't do that and automatically assume that you're right in the situation, you're not a person of integrity. Because a person of integrity says, man, I, I'm, you know what? I'm, God, I'm, I'm mad, but maybe I did something. So, Lord, will you do surgery on me to help me to see where I went wrong so that if I did and what I, even though, even whether it's wrong or right, what's being done to me, Lord, let me, God, God, because I want to, I want to get to the root of it, Lord, help me to deal with whatever I might have done to insinuate that or cause that to happen or initiate this happening so I can fix it. So that I can't ask for vindication if I'm the cause of the problem. And so, and so he says, test me, try me, examine my heart. It means to test, to probe, to examine, to learn the genuineness of something. He said, examine my heart and my mind. Um, Nike uh, had a wear tester program for uh, a shoe called the Mars Yard. It's a shoe uh, that they sent out to a bunch of people uh, for free for them to test it in the worst conditions. So this one guy put on the shoe and they put that dude on the treadmill. And what they did in front of the treadmill is they just started dumping stuff in front of the treadmill to see how his foot would move or stay steady in the midst of stuff being thrown at him. And so they threw nails. It was crazy. Screws, center blocks. They put, they put one dude, they threw water all over him. and so one, 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 one of them, they freeze-dried it and then hit it with a hammer. In other words... They put it through everything to see if the shoe was durable. That's what God, that's what you add. When you ask God to do, God will put you through some stuff. To, he, to show you whether or not you were durable in your disposition in need for vindication. He'll, he'll do that. He'll do that. And he'll do that. And, he lo and listen, a lot of you misinterpret God's testing for punitive damages. God, many times, some of the pain and testing that God actually put you to, matter of fact, the situation where you need vindication is more for your heart than your public acclamation before people. Y'all not hearing me today. 
It's more about your heart because when you have to be silent, not say anything, and listen, what you don't say, your heart will say that's already in it. You ever, you ever been in something and hell breaking loose and stuff, just, you're like, where that come from? Nothing you hear in your heart comes from the outside. And so, and so you got to be able to be able to say, God, deal with that. Like, why in this season, now I know ain't no believers going to admit this, but why as things have gotten harder in my life, cursing has revisited my life? See, testing, listen, anything that's revisited your life didn't come back in. You just learned the Christian way of not letting it come out. But the right trial... All you need is the right joker to just do something to you. Just the right person to break your heart in the right place. And, and creaking out of there and be like this, ha, ah, the way to go, I did you. <laughs> but let me tell y'all something. Let me tell y'all what the good feeling though is. The good feeling is when that doesn't happen. And then the Holy Ghost say you, you grown. You ever, you, ever, you ever had the Holy Ghost pat you on the back? You ever had the Holy Ghost say, a couple years ago, you'd have, you'd, have, you'd have been a different little animal, haven't you? So you've been letting me grow you, huh? You've been letting me work on you, huh? You've been letting me change you, huh? You've been letting me challenge you, huh? You've been letting me love on See, every now and then you need to be like, You need that in your life. You need, you need to know how you're doing with the Lord. It's good to know how your heart is doing. Because that's, that's why the Bible says, guard over your heart with all diligence. Most people read that verse and think it's guard your heart from stuff on the outside. No, it's guarding the outside from the stuff on the inside. And, um, and so, you know, one of the things that I think is so tough with some of these situations, listen with David, this is how you know David been through something. In Psalm 55, 13, it says, Now, it is not an enemy who insults me. Otherwise, I could bear it. It is not a foe who rises up against me. Otherwise, I could hide from him. But it is you, a man who is my peer, my companion and good friend. We used to have close fellowship. We walked with the crowd into the house of God. That's when you know you've gone through something. But look at verse 3. He says, for your faithful love guides me. That's how you know you're in a different place in life. God's faithful love is God's covenant loyalty. The, the uh, King James Version used to call it loving kindness. It's a way of trying to translate a co God's covenant commitment to you. In other words, even in the midst of it, God guides you. Look at what he says next. He says, he says, God, I'm going to let you know, I, I don't sit with the worthless or associate with hypocrites. I do not sit with the worthless. This goes back, this harkens back to Psalm 1. He said, I hate crowds of evildoers, and I do not sit with the wicked. I hate crowds of evildoers. I do not sit with the wicked. Interesting. Next point. Tell of God's great hand of deliverance. When God does it. Tell of his great hand of deliverance. He says, I wash my hands in innocence and go around your altar. He said, I began to worship. He said, I began to worship. Because in the midst of it all, you got to begin to reference and begin to worship and as a believer to begin to look for God's great hand of deliverance. Last point, and I'm done. Take refuge in God's presence. He says, raising my voice in thanksgiving and telling about your wondrous works. Says, Lord, I love your house where you dwell, the place where your glory resides. Do not destroy me along with sinners or my life along with men of bloodshed in whose hands are evil schemes. And who, so now he's venting. 
See, you need to learn how to vent to the Lord. You got to stop venting to people. You got to learn. See, a part of worship is telling God how you're feeling about. Listen, sometimes you say some grimy stuff to the Lord about this. Like David says some stuff like, Lord, put them all down in Sheol. In other words, he sent them all to hell, Lord, burn their entire crops up. I mean, David would say, but he was talking to the Lord about it. He didn't like go in public and start saying that, right? Um, because, because, because you have to pour out, you have to learn that God can take your frustration. And so you can stay, you can stay silent out there, but stay vocal in your prayer closet. And you got to tell God, I'm sick of it, God. I'm sick of them. Everything. Ah, I don't even know if you saw the apostle. Y'all remember that movie? Y'all, his prayer and that thing, he was hollering at the Lord. Lord, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. He was going off the Pentecostal in him, you know. He was going off. God, but bless me, God, if you don't bless. He was going off. Sometimes you got, see, you ain't spent time with God until you had like some, some, some respectful Tourette's moments. You, you haven't. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 62, 8, pour out your heart before the Lord. Because he already knows how you really feel. Stop saying God knows my heart as if your heart is pure enough to earn what he's talking about. God knows. God, yeah, he does know your heart. He does. That's the problem. So you might as well tell him about what's going on within you. He said, my foot stands on level ground. That's what I like. He said, the only thing that's kept me sane as I've been on seven, he said, I will bless the Lord in the assemblies. You know, as you work through this and as you work through all of these things, there's some general principles that I think would be helpful for us through something like this. Going through sand and misunderstanding can be disorienting and confusing, family. You have to have the willingness to root yourself in the right things. So someone's saying, what do I do? What do I do? I got a few things for you. You have to find refuge in the word with people who have dealt with the same thing. You have, you, so, so getting in the word, letting the word, like Colossians 3.16 says, let the word richly dwell in you. It's number one. You need some word in you. You got to have passages on vindication within you. Number two, you have to find ways to protect your mental health. <laughs> see, see, some of y'all ain't went through nothing yet, so you don't even know what I'm, why I'm even saying something like that. But listen, if you meditate on all the stuff that's being said about you, you will lose your mind. That's why the Bible says whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's good of repute, let your mind dwell on these things. The things you learn and seen and heard of me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Be anxious for nothing. But everything by prayer and supplication, we, listen, you got to guard, you need some peace to guard your mind in this stuff. Next one. You have, you have to have people around you who let you know that you aren't crazy. <laughs> Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.22, it says, flee immorality and pursue those who call upon the name of the Lord with a pure heart. You got to have good community that consistently affirm that you ain't lost your mind in this situation. Yeah. Next one, you have to up your prayer life to meet and exceed your anxiety. Listen, listen, you can't talk to yourself all the time. <laughs> Some of y'all understand what, exactly what I'm talking about. You in the shower. You know, you, 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 you in the car, you in the car, turned off the radio. You, you order the radio on, you're not even listening to the song. <laughs> yeah, some of y'all done been in Christ long enough to know exactly what I'm talking about. Listen, man, you, you, listen, you, 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 got, you, gotta, you gotta have a prayer life that, that's bigger than the anxiety level that you're dealing with. You have to. That's Acts 4.31. They was going through a lot of examples. They prayed to the place ship. You got to have some place-shaking prayer. And you need to hear people praying for you, not saying they are praying for you. It's nothing like being around the saints. And I know it's COVID, but I'm just using this. They're putting their hands on you and just praying over you. And you hearing the words they're saying. Because sometimes when you're going through like this, it's hard to even pray for yourself. Ain't nobody talking back. And sometimes you need to hear, prayer is, listen, prayer is both to God and affirming for you. 
And what you're hearing in the prayer, you're joining and linking your faith, what's being said, with those who are praying for you. And they help transition your heart in that moment to the right place through prayer. <laughs> I don't know if you see y'all, some of y'all ain't been in church long enough to have been prayed for like that. With them, with them old deacons with, the, with his buckets on the floor and, and it's dripping coming from the top. And they, they hollering, doing devotions and praying. See, if you ain't had nobody pray and squeeze your hand with, with the ring on and it hurt. If you ain't had them old mother give you a peppermint before prayer, let you ball up her hand and put it in your hand. You ain't, if you ain't, if you ain't, you ain't never been in, you ain't been in church yet until somebody old come up to you and, and, and put some money in your hand because they know you're going through something and they don't even know what you can use it for. It may be $20, $5, 50 cents, something. See, that's how you know, see, see you, that's how you know you've been in church and you've been going through and that, that's how you got to have some people around you that know how to, oh, you're going through a lot. Let me be a relief. You need some people around you that don't say, man, I'm praying, I'm thinking about, you need somebody to actually step in and be an encouragement, not talk about. Ain't nothing worse than an old fake Christian saying they're going to do something for you that never do it. That makes the situation worse. You're like, well, well, you parched. Well, please. I'm going to say this last part and I'm done. You have to, listen to this, really listen to this. You have to have life speakers in your life, speaking life constantly when there are barrages of attack. When the Bible says in Proverbs 18, 20, this is what the verse really means. Listen, the power of life and death are in the tongue, and they that eat it bear its fruit. It's not talking about speaking something into existence. It's talking about in the context of relationships. Stuff can be said to you that cause death in your heart. And, and when it's said, the way it caused death is when you bite it. That's why I said, they that eat it bear its fruit. So if someone bitterly communicates, y'all ain't talking to me, bitterly communicates about you and something about you because you're insecure, you're hurt, you bite it. You chew on it. You think about it. It nourishes you and you bear the fruit of what the person said about you. That's what the verse really means in context. But then you need life speakers that, pre now, now let me just tell you this, for every negative statement, you need a thousand good ones. I'm, I'm done. I'm gone. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you why. Because a negative statement hits harder than one encouraging statement. So you need the reverb, the echoplex, if you will, <laughs> of encouragement just, it takes a thousand encouragements just to deroute the discouragement. But you don't need yes people, but life speakers who remind you of the truth about you and the situation itself. And you need to have stout encouragers. I'm going to read this verse and one more verse and I'm done. This verse is always one of the things that um, I talk to people about and I tell people that we need to make a part of our repertoire as believers, as a lifestyle for all of us as Christians. Hebrews 3.13. It's a beautiful verse. It says, watch out, brothers and sisters, verse 12, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage each other daily while it is still called today that so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. Let me tell y'all something. Y'all think this is strange, what we're talking about? You think this is strange? Listen. 1 Peter 2, 20 through 23. It says, for what credit is there if when you do wrong and you are beaten, you endure it. But when you do what is good and suffer, if you endure it, it brings favor with God. Verse 21, for you, 
were called to this. That's my calling? Somebody said, what am I called to do? Right here. For you were called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. What does that look like? Do, he did not commit sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. I don't even need to preach that. So someone is saying this. So pastor, so after all that you're saying, I can't do nothing. <laughs> Pray, seek the Lord, fill your mind with verses that reinforce trusting in the Lord. And somebody else is asking, how long do I get the Lord to work, though? <laughs> Some of y'all still ain't get it, did you? Some of y'all still like, okay, I, I hear all that, but how long do, you know, is there expiration date on trusting the Lord to work it out? Until he finishes, family. That's all I got for you today. That's all I got. And I guarantee, let me tell you this, God is a better fighter than you. That's why David said he'll prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You ain't got to smile at because sometimes God will work it out and he will shine forth your righteousness as a noonday. And listen, you don't have to post about it. You don't have to talk about it. Even when God vindicates you, you still be quiet. Let the vindication speak. And people that came against you will circle back and apologize. And that's your reward. Your reward isn't to get back at those who hurt you. Your reward is that God worked it out and removed the reproach from off your name. I'm done. Father, we thank you. We honor you. We bless you. Because you are such a better fixer than us. <laughs> um, you clean up better than us. <laughs> People think we can clean up our own lives, Lord God. We, we aren't good soul keepers. And we need you to step in and do what you do. Maybe there's someone here today that needs God to soul fix for them. To heart fix for them to shape and change and to work on things for them. Well, if you don't know Jesus, he's a good way to get everything in your life fixed. But the thing that, that, that needs fixing first is you. Not situations, not anything else in your life. You, you and I, we, we, are the, we, we, we need fixing first. And that comes from admitting that you are in desperate need of God's help in the gospel. By him admitting, hey, God, you're perfect. I'm not. I need your help because guess what? Your lack of perfection has a penalty. It's called death. Somebody said, well, I do everything right. Well, the Bible says that our righteousness and whatever we do that's good is like filthy rags. So even our best attempts at holiness is filled with ill motive. But the only one that perfectly lived was Christ. And when you trust him and embrace him, it doesn't give you the freedom to act a fool. It gives you the freedom to know you're free, to be in a relationship with God and to live righteously without the eternal consequences of your sin. But it also gives you victory in different situations. But how do you get that? You trust that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and was raised from the grave on your behalf, on your behalf. And that he switched places with you in the place you should have been paying for your sin. Instead of paying for your sin, you get, you get it crucified or killed and raised with him to new life. If you want to place your confidence in Jesus, you can do it right there. Our Surge team is in the comments. You can email our Surge team. and We would love to talk to you more about Jesus Christ. Let us take communion, family. Communion represents so many aspects of what Christ's death accomplished. 
And in light of the sermon today, there are fights we don't have to fight because Christ fought it on the cross. The ultimate way that Christ fought on our behalf was he fought off sin. But the thing that he didn't fight off was the wrath of God. He just absorbed it, took it on our behalf. And so communion symbolizes that victory in our union with Christ. So if you're here today and you're a believer, you're free to take communion. If not, let the elements pass. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread. He gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Let us eat together. After the Passover meal and the bitter herbs, he took the cup. And he gave it to his disciples and said, this is my blood, blood of the new and everlasting covenant, which is shed for the remission of sins. Let's drink together. Most high, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. God, um, so many things we've dealt with over this year, so many different types of challenges. God, I pray that you would encourage your people this week to go in Holy Spirit victory. That you would give them a faith-fueled week and feet that are committed to fervent commitment to you. Now unto him who is able to present you faultless before his throne with exceeding gladness and joy. To him our God and Savior be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. God bless you. Take care. Have a good one. Much love. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you.